0: Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 It's the end of the world as we know it. It's, it's the, the end, end of the world as we know it. It's the, it's the end, end of the world as, as we know it. And I
1: feel fine. Oh, welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined... For now, anyway, by my bosom buddy, Booby Castro. Hey, Bob.
2: Wow. Hi, Dan. It really is the the end of the world that you're putting effort into this podcast. I did not see this coming.
1: All of a sudden, our schedule's opened up a little bit. And, uh... <laughs>
2: Wait a minute. This is going to be, by default, your most successful podcast.
1: <laughs> it's, it's certainly possible Because now. we are
2: defying the law by congregating together in your rented garage to record an episode.
1: The... Yes, the, this is our first show since our 100th episode, the County Crows, August, and Everything After episode. A lot has changed in the world since we did that episode, um, including this uh, COVID-19 scenario. Tough sitch for uh, humanity say, in a big spot.
2: I think including this COVID-19 scenario is like <laughs> the subtlest way you could put it.
1: Um, and... Uh, A couple days ago, I can't, the days all blend together now.
2: It's all one big Sunday.
1: Uh, The city of Los Angeles did make the announcement that uh, basically stay in your house unless you have to go to the store or the hospital.
2: Yeah, that's it.
1: But think about the bravery here, Bob, that you get in that car and coming down here. It's like, remember, an Independence Day. That's,
2: you know, that's what I thought the entire time. I was like, I am Will Smith right now. Or Jeff Goldblum, you are Goldblum or, or, or and or Judd, Hirsch. Uh, Judd Hirsch together. Yeah, I am in the I, car. I kind of am. I, I am. You're definitely
1: more a Hirsch cuz like we're the only schmucks trying to get into D.C. Yeah.
2: No, you're right. I'm not Will Smith. I am Judd Hirsch. Man, for a second, I was really excited about that.
1: Dear John. Um, <laughs> yes, this is pretty wild, Bob. This so, is
2: fucking nuts, Dan.
1: And we we had to congregate and uh, connect uh, in this on, on these uncertain times. Tonight, there is a chance that some future shows, we're going to try to do a, um, a more, uh, what do they call it again?
2: Bunker scenario like a
1: bunker cast type thing Mm -hmm. where remote remote there you go well you'll be in your domicile where you're trapped with your family and i'm i'm here with mine uh but for now we're in the garage and we're gonna do a couple episodes tonight and uh just try to figure out you know what's going on by the way it's the end of the world as we know it parentheticals and i feel fine close parentheticals by rem has recharted now has it really no wow because of you know what's going on and speaking of what's going on bob you know, our show is, some would say, strangely obsessed with nine eleven.
2: I already love the segue, knowing exactly where you're <laughs> going with it, with speaking of what's going on. Um, yeah, I think it's safe to say that going back, even going all the way back to we posted for our Patreones on patreon.com slash throwback pod, one of our deleted episodes, one of the episodes from The Vault. We felt bad that we weren't getting together. Sure. So we put one up for the Patreones and... uh It was one of the first episodes we ever recorded, Soul Asylum, Grave Dancers Union. It was before we even launched. It was like three years ago. And in that episode, we talked about 9-11.
1: Yes, and I actually thought about it, again, a lot of time to think lately. A lot of time to think. Um, Why do we bring up 9-11 so much? It is, for us, this line of demarcation in our lives. If you are born in the time—I mean, it changed everybody's lives, but when we were born— there's basically the first 21 years of our lives. And then the last 21 or It came 20, kind of perfectly tw- it just, 20 years in. It just It's a just, before and after for the ages.
2: We have to thank Bono for that planning. Like, it was a good he time. He
1: kind of nailed that. And it also had his album release coming up. So it kind of was no, happy obviously. circumstance for us. But, uh, and then I was thinking about, so now you have 9-11 in 2001. Mm-hmm. You have the coronavirus in 2020. hmm and we're kind of getting now more into the way things always used to be because we came of age in the 80s and 90s when it was kind of an innocent time where things, crazy things happen, big things happen. There are mm-hmm. wars across the you know world and stuff. But in terms of our life in the 80s and 90s, it's pretty chill. Pretty simple. You know, Bill Clinton getting a Hummer. Got that Hummer. Huge deal. <laughs> like the deal. biggest deal of the
2: 90s. Biggest deal of the 90s, uh, 80s, tear down that wall. Big deal.
1: Big deal. But did it, like, affect us directly in our bubble as Americans?
2: I, not really. Well, Certainly you, as children. It didn't. Right. I never blew Bill Clinton.
1: <laughs> well, that's maybe not true. Um, but what's happened now, Bob, I think, if you go back American history before we were born, like, huge shit was happening, like, every 10, 15 years. Yes. Like, go back. Let's just go back as far as World War One, and then you had World War Two, and then you had... Uh, the Korean War, and then you had Vietnam. A lot of wars. And it's just a lot of wars, a lot yeah. of fighting, and a lot of unrest, civil unru- unrest. Uh, the civil Elvis, rights moment. Elvis
2: dancing on Ed Sullivan.
1: Elvis on Ed Sullivan. That was a big deal. 80s and 90s, chill. calm. And that's when we lived our first two decades. So then when nine eleven hits, like people like you and I, it's like, oh my God, what's going on here?
2: Woke us the fuck up.
1: But now here we are again. With another event that's 9-11-esque in scope. It's a totally different circumstance, but you could feel it, like how it's, big it is.
2: Yeah, you could tell this is going to be the defining moment of a generation.
1: And in 2001, in response to the terrorist attacks, uh, Bono and friends, uh, one of his friends, and probably uh, Fred Durst of, of Limp Bizkit. It makes sense. It makes sense. Recorded a, um, a new take on what's going on, the Marvin Gaye classic. Um which we will not play for you right now, but just know that it, it didn't quite work out how anyone planned it to. Well,
2: it was recorded for Africa, I assume.
1: You are right. Right, it was You're recorded correct.
2: for Africa, and then they repackaged it for nine eleven to be like a nine eleven tribute. And Gwen Stefani was on it, and Justin Timberlake, and Britney Spears. Everyone was on it. Everybody it was, from 2001 was Whoever was a was big star right.
1: in 2001, including Michael Stipe of R.E.M. Um, now here we are, and this is how you know, Bob, that we are in the midst of another huge generational situation going on. The celebrities are at it again. That's what they do. Can I tell you how relieved I was that Bono didn't show up in this, by the way?
2: In the, well, you're referring to the Gal Godot video?
1: Let's listen to it. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Can
0: you tell us who it
2: is as they're doing it? No hell some but some guy <laughs> Above us on
1: I don't know who that is. Imagine all um, the people. James Marston? Uh, come on, of course. Silverman, come on now. What are you doing here?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So <laughs> and you know what's weird too? Is that um it is a oh Fallon. It's a bench post that we're getting old because half of these people I don't know who they are. Yeah. Back when the "What's Going On" song came out, knew everybody. You
2: were plugged in with Nelly and and uh, Nelly and Nelly Furtado, Missy Elliott. You knew every single voice immediately. So, but those were also musicians. These are actors trying to save the
0: world. I think that's Wonder Woman from like the seventies.
1: Okay, Amy Adams. No, but we got to bring it home.
0: (laughs) Don't know. And the world will live as one. So it
1: goes down as an all-time uh, misguided celebrity endeavor. Oh my, it's still going, Bob. <laughs>
2: I never, I haven't even clicked on it. I like, I've seen like um, 30 seconds of it, maybe.
1: Oh, Will Ferrell, what are you doing? So that's where we're at as a society. When these things are happening. Yeah. It's a dark thing.
2: You know, it's serious, people. This is serious. Gal Gadot wants you to... Think about John Lennon's Imagine during these tough times. That's how you know.
1: And um, just since we're kind of, it's been a while since we were in the studio, I did want to, uh, and I'll give you the hat tip on this one, Bob. I also wanted to play this for the people just, you know, because things are happening and you want to keep all of our listeners up to date with important things. Yes.
0: Hi, I'm Chris Kattan. You know me from television shows (laughs) like Saturday Night Live in the middle and films like Undercover Brother and Night at the Roxbury. And I have a question for you. You guys want some
3: cameos?
2: (laughs) It sounds so good in the
3: headphones.
2: (laughs) I fell down a cameo wormhole a few weeks ago. Oh my God. Like I've always known what cameo is, but I never went on the site to see who was doing it. And I I got deep into cameo to the point where I was texting like every friend I have that's like, Quasi famous to legitimately right. decently like, famous. I was like, you should be on cameo. Okay, Go do it.
0: Cameos.
2: Go do it. And then I found Chris Catanz, and I was like, okay, now I'm seeing <laughs> the sort of desperation here.
1: Now uh, the podcast I do that people care about, I could do. No, cameo. no, the podcast you did. That people yeah, care about. that's all over now. Um, I could do cameo and probably make some money, but you have no dignity left. But you know what? When you do it.
2: Pre COVID nineteen, I agree, but now all bets are off.
1: Interesting. All bets
2: are off. Everybody just needs to make a little money. You're home alone, doing nothing.
1: Oh, and that's a good thing to hide behind as well. Yeah, and then once I it's like over,
2: that. once the self isolation is over, the self uh, social distancing is done, then you take yourself down. But right mm. now, make that guap.
1: Okay. Well, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna rethink it. Um, today's episode. We were talking about it on text before you came before here. Before you move on, though, if anybody
2: yes. is wondering, like, what should we get the throwback podcast for Christmas? Now, you know.
1: Oh, Ca- oh, Chris Catan on camera Yeah, obviously. Yes. like That would be incredible. We're a few
2: months away from the holiday season, oh, assuming we all ma- make it there. But, you know, when the time comes. And you th- know
1: what else? We have been using his voice to intro every episode. Something that lines his pockets a little bit. So it's kind of like it, it accomplishes a couple of different things.
2: So actually, we should be the ones well, doing it.
1: That's true. Yeah. But if you do it, uh, <laughs> listener out there, we will definitely give you a shout out if that if that means anything. Oh,
2: of course we will.
1: So when we were texting, uh, this is before Bob contracted uh, COVID-19 no, on see, the way here.
2: Don't joke about it because I probably did.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it. You made the decision. You got in the car. And all the air pouring into the vents, Bob, shooting into your face. <laughs> that's not
2: how it works.
1: I, do you know how it works? <laughs> there's no way to know. There's no way to avoid it. There's no way to avoid it. Right. Because, like, for instance,
2: we except had, maybe don't go do podcasts for no. <laughs>
1: that's one way to avoid it. There was a guy, we had a delivery, we had a food delivery, right? And I uh, went out there, didn't touch the guy, he didn't touch me, but when I picked the food up out of his his you wait, DoorDash.
2: You didn't, you didn't do your traditional tongue kiss, the delivery guy. Move? <laughs> no, I didn't. Weird. I
1: didn't. I, 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 you know, you gotta be smart. I guess so. These days, my hand brushed up against the bag.
2: Dead. Dead.
3: <laughs> I'm done. Like 50, 50 chance. I like that.
2: This is already like the, uh, Ebola movie from like 1999 <laughs> where it's like, all you had to do is look at somebody and you died of Ebola.
1: Right. Or what people thought of, uh, HIV in 1988. Yeah. Outbreak. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. anyway. Yeah. So before you contracted it, uh, we were texting and the idea. So in these very uncomfortable times, we should do some comfort food music from the 90s. And what's more comforting, Bob, than the second Pearl Jam album? I mean,
2: yeah, we, we've talked about woo-wee. doing this. We've talked about doing this for literally 100 episodes now. Like this is probably my favorite album of all times. Last week, we last episode we did August and Everything After, another favorite album. So which one do you like better? I don't know. Let's let's maybe save that for the end of the episode. Oh. How about that? Massive uh, drums. But the uh, you know what? Who knows how long we're going to be here. So let's oh. do the good the good albums.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I'm a little shocked actually that um, we have not hit a second Pearl Jam album. We did ten know, a year and a half ago. There was a ago.
2: deleted vitology episode oh. in the vault before we ever. And
1: on launched. the subject of the vault, stop asking about the vault. The
2: vault's pretty bad.
1: The vault is terrible. In fact, Bob, <laughs> to there might be a reason just to get rid of the vault entirely so I, you people know it, stop asking there are about a couple vault.
2: of vault episodes that I did do that too I, I can't remember even which ones but the vault is thin it's not good but we will go back into it if uh, this thing kills one of us and we, we want to keep you guys satisfied for another week
1: do you think Jason vault, is secretly pulling for one of us to get taken out by the COVID so, so he can in. slide into the chair yeah he's good I mean
2: he did an entire movie as Steven Seagal I think he could do like a few episodes as one of us
1: before people catch on. To yeah. It. Or if one of us you're saying just kind of goes under for a while and then we get better. No, I mean dies. Oh, dies. Like, what's like, the point if the person's dead? I mean, maybe it would make sense to do that if the person was sick.
2: No, you don't want to disrupt what's working. So okay. he'll sit here pretending to be me for like six months, probably. <laughs> I'm OK with it, too. In fact, I insist
1: on it. Um Speaking of more innocent times, Pearl Jam Versus came out in 1993, mm-hmm. and um, I cheated. Well, I didn't cheat. I saw it inadvertently. They came out in the fall of 93.
2: October 19th, 1993.
1: And that makes a lot of sense because I kind of remember when we get to it, daughter being like just massive as we went to school mm-hmm. uh, to start what would have been, what, for a seventh grade? Eighth grade. Eighth grade.
2: Yeah, this was us getting into high school.
1: So what was going on, Bob, in the fall in October 1993? On
2: October 6th, a basketball player named Michael Jordan announced his his retirement from the NBA.
1: I remember that. It was during the uh, baseball playoffs. And I think the White Sox were actually in the uh, American League Championship Series. So kind of a weird flex there by MJ to take the White Sox uh, off the front pages.
2: Tiffany Trump was born. (laughs)
1: She doesn't get a lot of pop. Even now. Yeah. yeah. Because he clearly doesn't like her. Right. And because she was the one that was born out of the uh, marriage to Marla Maples. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing about Trump, there's so many crazy things. But if you grew up in New York, like Trump was just tabloid fodder.
2: Some idiot. Some rich idiot (laughs) who lived in a gold penthouse.
1: He was super famous. And in fact, not giving him credit, but you kind of. Don't realize it now. When you watch older TV shows or movies, how often he came up? He would be referenced as the guy, mm-hmm. like who would be who's like a super rich type person. Yeah, um, he was incredibly famous for that reason. Now, uh, uh, but the Trump I kind of remember was the guy that was just all over the news for tawdry affairs and Marla Maples and Iv- Ivana. Don't,
2: we can't don't because everything I want to say after you're done is just going <laughs> to derail this podcast.
1: But I think like without. Falling down a political wormhole. One of the reasons why I was so surprised when he he won the election, uh, but then you thought about it, it's like, well, we grew up at a time when he was, that was what he was like super famous for in New York. But if you weren't from New York, maybe you didn't really know that side of him as much. Or maybe you did. I don't know. It no, a it was just time. The Apprentice. I can't,
2: we can't, we can't do the this. The
1: Apprentice, Bob. Oh,
2: we can't do this. Did The
1: Apprentice get him elected, really? Obviously. Uh. Wow. Huge.
2: Marcus Mariota and the kid from Two and a Half Men were also born that month.
1: Is it Three and a Half Men or Two and a Half Men? <laughs> Who knows anymore? <laughs>
2: uh, a lot of um,
1: Charlie's got the HIV. By the way, the uh, he's people HIV are sleeping positive. on that.
2: Yeah, no, we kind of glossed over that as a society. We were all
1: just like, well, obviously, of course he does, right? Do you think he's taking his drugs and stuff? He's super rich. <laughs> I would assume so. Like, is Charlie Sheen okay right now? I don't know. Like, people aren't really talking about him anymore. It's
2: been quiet, so I, I interpret that as being good.
1: What do you think about the Tiger Blood era in retrospect? Oh, now that we it, have some distance. Now
2: that we have some distance? It was a fun time. It was a more innocent time where one celebrity could hijack, like, every news program just by being fucking crazy. How
1: did he do that? That was pretty amazing in retrospect.
2: And it wasn't like Mel Gibson where it was like, oh, he's being racist and terrible and drunk and whatever. Uh, it was just like he was fucking crazy.
1: It was just like what was going on in his life at the time. He yeah. was angry at his boss and his TV show. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it just connected with people, and everyone was hanging on every word he had to say in what was essentially just a petty contract squabble.
2: That's all it was. <laughs> we more innocent times.
1: There it was well, that. it was not, but <laughs> it was it was almost smack dab between 9-11 exactly. and COVID nineteen. We, we needed something so to keep was us like,
3: busy. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, well, soon, Charlie. Some amazing. you gonna beat this.
2: Some amazing movies that came out in October '93. This is a uh, Murderers' Row. Ready, Mr. Nanny.
1: Hulk Hogan. Yep. Piece Judgment of
2: shit. Judgment Night, which to me was the scariest movie. It's a great premise for a movie. It's a great right? premise. Yeah.
1: It's uh, a, is it a family or buddies? Buddies in an RV that makes a wrong turn into the inner city.
2: Yep, and then these guys just want to kill them. I so they're just it? they're on the run the entire movie.
1: I bet if you watch it now, it's kind of problematic.
2: I would assume so. Is it a oh, bunch yeah. of
1: like cool whites?
2: It's a, it's like two whites being chased by a <laughs> gang of African-Americans. So yeah, it probably wouldn't really translate in 2020.
1: That's like falling down. But you know,
2: would uh, still work in 2020? Yeah. Cool Runnings.
1: Yeah, that was fun. That was good. Nice picture of John Candy. It was like really his last hurrah, right? Yep.
2: Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Rudy. Oh, it was great. Fatal Instinct.
1: That was the parody of Basic Instinct. Yes. But it was like a rip off of the naked gun airplane it type was. genre. Yes. Was it was it the same producers or was I think it, it was.
2: I feel like it was.
1: Do you do you remember, were you there, Bob, when there was a short lived um school um event type thing? Uh, where they would have a Friday night movie night.
2: Oh, of course, yeah.
1: So you would sign up for it and you would pay, it was on a discount, so you'd pay three or four bucks and they would. you would get in the bus and you would go to the movie theater and watch a movie. And they did it the first week, first time they did it. I don't remember what the movie was, but it was fine. It might have even been Rudy, I don't know. And then they did it with Fatal Instinct. Oh, and wow. I remember it being a, a big issue because all the um, teachers who were kind of serving as the ushers for the event, uh, chaperones were, had their hand, face in their hands because it was quite, a, you know, racy. Yeah. With a lot of, uh, you know, it's basically a ripoff of Basic Instinct. Well,
2: I mean, why not show a bunch of, like, 12-year-olds a movie that parodies Basic Instinct? <laughs> know, so it's like, we would missed, get the reference. Missed opportunity. By though. the way, you know what a big deal, uh, you know what was, like, a big deal between us being born and 9-11? Basic Instinct. Yeah,
1: you know, it was a big deal.
2: Sharon Stone, on Crossing Her Legs, was... I didn't even know like what was happening, at the age of twelve. But that was a big deal. Beaver, Beaver. Yeah. As as Leslie Nielsen would Is say, Beaver
1: back. Maybe bring it back, Beaver.
2: I think you just brought it back,
1: and it feels like something that could come back.
2: <laughs> it kind of does. It's yeah. It's innocent, and sweet. And last but not least, the greatest movie to come out of in all of 1993, Demolition Man came out in October 1993. One of you love Demolition, Bob man. favorite you movies. You love that fucking movie. <laughs> it's so good.
1: How are you not playing a, a clip of the, tra- I, you know the what? trailer right Cause, now?
2: Because we, we didn't know what episode we were doing until just now. I didn't have time, but I was on YouTube looking, and there were just too many to choose from,
1: honestly. The one thing I will always give Demolition, and I love Stallone, so any Stallone thing <laughs> I enjoy, but you, this was the movie that you really connected with for whatever reason. The fact that the, in an otherwise kind of semi-forgettable, futuristic action thriller... That they had that genius thing with the three shells.
2: The three seashells, yeah.
1: That is a brilliant bit of screenplay writing, right?
2: So many brilliant pieces of screenplay writing, Dan. <laughs> so but many. that specifically. You know, you're right, yeah.
1: that you're, It's set 100 years in the future, whatever it is. What's his name, John?
2: No, it's set like now. It's probably set oh, in like it? 2030 or something.
1: Uh, but in 1993, 2020 felt like a, right. a thousand years away. Right. Do you remember his name, That's Stallone's name? It's John, John Spartan. John Spartan, of course. Of course. Come on. Uh, Simon Phoenix Spartan was cryogenically frozen. He's now in the future, and he has to use the the restroom to they, drop a deuce.
2: Yeah, no, he's got to drop a deuce. Yeah,
1: and uh, he's looking for the toilet paper. Comes out,
2: he's like, "Well, you're out of toilet paper." By the right way, now.
1: topical. Everybody buying out the toilet paper. See,
2: demolition man knew. Also, there was no high fives. They were kind of come close, and they would do this. They would like wave their hand. Yep. So,
1: Do we have to revisit this film? I
2: think we might have to. I think it might have been the most accurate prediction of the year 2020.
1: Somewhere in the third act, they have the cure to (laughs) COVID-19. Which is like stuffed into the plot.
2: There's only one restaurant. It's Taco Bell. Maybe that's what comes next. I don't know. Interesting. Great movie. And? So dumb. But for the record, I know I'm aware of how dumb it is, but I love it.
1: And remember then Dennis Rodman, when he was first making his... His transition from being just a regular basketball player Double to team. a huge uh, pop culture guy who colored his hair and caused a ton of trouble. That was his initial, uh, his original um, nod was Simon Says. Is that the character?
2: Simon Phoenix. <laughs>
1: Simon Phoenix. <laughs> See, I'm almost there with it. <laughs> uh, all right. I have the number one song, Bob. Is yes, that what you do. Is? The
2: number one song in the UK. When Pearl Jam's iconic Versus album came out. Oh, yeah!
1: This big Mama Luke. Oh, this <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Oh, Bob. This husky uncle. We're
2: going to play the entire thing.
1: <laughs> I have so many memories of the song. A, d- a, a
2: disturbing bit. amount of memories. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the more unlikely, huge. Pop hits of our lifetime. You think so? Meatloaf making a comeback in the 90s is pretty crazy. I guess it is. All right, let's listen to this. I mean, it's more unlikely than share or believe to me.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. It's Meatloaf.
3: <laughs> Alright, here No, I won't. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Mm.
1: So this is the single edit, which is still five minutes ro- long.
2: Yeah, and, and I feel like the seven or eight minute version was the one that was constantly being played.
0: Not that part. But doesn't
1: spells. matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. That's like verse seven. Yeah, so it doesn't. Know. Who cares? Um, this song was and probably a massive hit meatloaf was probably in his 40s at this point he still looked like meatloaf he was big and overweight and looked very much like a dad in the suburbs yeah with longer hair like a like a dad that rides a motorcycle basically oh
2: like a sad dad who's just doing anything to hold on to his youth like
1: a guy that has a guitar that he keeps in his living room but never plays and wants to join a dad band
2: like me is what you're saying <laughs> I'm Meatloaf He did play a character Named Bob in Fight Club I mean it is The similarities are there
1: Oh yeah He had the boobs right he had the man Isn't boobs is he like uh, transitioning Or something
2: No I think he just had man boobs
1: Oh that's all it was
2: Nobody was transitioning In the late 90s Come on
1: Okay Here's the chorus I would do
3: for
0: love But I won't do that
3: No I won't do that
1: That's pretty good
2: you know what? I fucking good. I hated this song so much. Good. I really, if you asked me in '93, what's your least favorite song? It would it would have been this. Yeah. Number two would have been "Paradise by the Dashboard Lights," which yeah. was still getting played at like school dances all the time. Strangely, yeah. Yeah, 2020. Uh,
1: it's fine. Kind of like it. <laughs> I think you age into it a little bit now that we're uncles. But um,
2: I kind of want to just get on a get on a motorcycle, hold on to beat and just go.
1: Hold on to meatloaf's love's Loaf. Um, this song, speaking of innocence and youth, remember our friend Jeanette had a uh, this is, party.
2: This is my first memory of the song. Yeah. I mean, like the first one that comes up first, yeah.
1: It also is, I don't know if these things still exist now. I feel like the kids today, they all, they wear the rubber bands to count their sexual partners at these type of parties. <laughs> but back that then- a, That was
2: a rumor back then too. I think we're still, <laughs> that's still- <laughs>
1: You know, these kids with their sex and their booze. Who's the uh,
2: old man now? And their
1: Zimas. Um, but at this party, it couldn't be more innocent and all American. We were all in the living room. It was a Saturday night party. I don't think
2: any. there was no drinking at all. No we drinking. Parents
1: to. were there, but they weren't in the room. But right. we had the living room. And uh, it was probably close to an equal number of boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, you and I are both amongst the boys. And I don't remember. I remember this is we were kind of. Deep on the B list? C list, maybe? No, at this, this point. was still C list days. Um, so there was, we were at the party, there weren't like a bunch of super hotter dudes uh, that we had to deal with in terms of competition at the party.
2: Oh, within, at the party, we were like cream of the crop. Dime pieces. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like when Brad Pitt takes off his shirt on the roof and once upon a time. That's, that's, what, was, we that's <laughs> what we were. That's what we were. And I do remember, um, This song came on, and in this living room in the early 90s, there was a slow dance portion of the party.
2: People were slow dancing.
1: Did the lights get dimmed?
2: Lights were dimmed, bro.
1: And uh, a girl that I was not attracted to or did not want to be in a relationship with, and this was someone that had never been in a relationship and wouldn't be in one for years, uh, asked me to dance, and this was the song that you didn't want to be dancing with someone you didn't like. Conversely, this is exactly the song that you wanted to dance with a girl you like because it was seven minutes long.
2: Yes. I was dancing with uh, Chrissy, our friend Chrissy, who was very oh, She was cute. at the party? She was at the party.
1: That seems like she was punching down a little bit being at that party. Well,
2: likewise. So
1: Well, we were punching up. <laughs> no, we were right in our zone. That was we were in the zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
2: but she was there uh, inexplicably. And uh, we danced to this song. And so for seven minutes That's she was she was the one that got stuck. Unhaugly. Oh, she got nailed. Did yeah. you
1: ask Chrissy to dance? Weren't you guys like friends? We were a friend friends. Zone?
2: We were friends. But it was also kind of like, you know, when you're friends with a cute girl at that age, you're like, maybe this will be it. So
1: thank you for, a for the boner for
2: for seven minutes. Of course, it was a seven minute boner.
1: That Poor, was always t- it was tough for boys. Tough sitch. tough sitch. The boner sitch was always tough. Because she didn't know whether knew, to lean into it or to, uh, to make it a right. thing that do was, I, could do never I av- be known.
2: Do I avoid it or is it just like, here it
1: is? But here's the big difference, without getting into too many specifics. In high school, for instance, I feel like I would have been mortified for them to know if something was going on down there. Yeah. But by the time I got to college and we'd like go out to the clubs and oh, stuff. Oh, clubs were all of it. <laughs> it <was> just,
3: <laughs>
2: well, we, we definitely talked about that. It was all about the boner <laughs> move. It was all about just like... Bumping up against somebody, I mean, just ridiculous. It's literally a ridiculous
1: situation. Like, imagine being the woman in that. um, Those poor girls.
2: Apologies to everyone, everyone in the late nineties. I mean, they
1: weren't pushing us away either, or it wasn't like you and I were the only ones doing this. This is what it was.
2: No, it was like a boner zone. If you got on the (laughs) dance floor, it was just if you were dancing with your friends and you were cute, just boners flying at you from every direction.
1: And it was just accepted.
2: That's what it was.
1: It's like, oh, yeah, I, f- I felt Bob's dick through denim today. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask for it, but it happened, and that's part of what it is to be on the dance floor in the early 2000s. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it, Bob. Yeah, please. I
2: think, like, we we really have to.
1: Did we just talk for 31 straight minutes before starting the show?
2: Yeah. It's not our fault, though. The world's ending.
1: I mean, what else do we have to do? Come on. Yeah, we're, right.
2: we are we're desperate.
1: Alright, here we go. Versus Pearl Jam, their sophomore album and a certified 90s classic. Track one, go. Jam. Great way to start the album. Bob, you... Uh, is this the most excited you were ever oh. for a movie, uh, for an album to come out?
2: I mean, the fact that this and demolition Man came out in the same month, Dan, come on.
1: It's life-changing. Dude.
2: This is... I fucking love this so much. Like, immediately. This is what I... This is it. This is, like, what I like. Everything that's happening right now is what I like about music. And at, we
1: were... You a little, does it make you a little nervous that it was... What thirty years ago? It's it it's what ago. it it's what it is.
2: Like we're so far beyond trying to be like no no it's no this was a long ass time ago, and we are the dads now that are driving, pumping it up in the car, right. being like this is music like it's fine that's what life is. It now. is what it is. But fuck, I loved this album so much, and I agree that this is such an incredible way to start this off.
1: And you know what? This is something I did not know because I was still not all the way in on. Plugged in on alternative rock in terms of what was new and coming out at the time. Um, Go was the first single.
2: Oh, that I I didn't even know that. It
1: was released October 25th as the first single from the album.
2: See, that doesn't sound right to me at all, but I
1: guess Well, so. Wikipedia has never been wrong.
2: I guess so. Yeah, no. I mean, if I would have thought it was Daughter.
1: But it's also, it makes sense if you understand the, the people involved with the band Later on, the next album, they would purposely put on half the album would just be noise as a way to get some fans off their corner, essentially. Right. So you could see how they they knew Daughter was going to be a huge smash no matter what. Let's give them something a little bit more challenging. I always like when bands do that. The first single is a little bit more odd or outside their comfort zone and then the second one is the locked and loaded hit right that's what i think they did there no
2: and i think that what makes this album special is they weren't at that vitology point yet where they were trying to shake off the people that didn't like represent what they wanted their audience to be they were just building off of 10 and they were better musicians at this point and better a tighter band and i just think this album's perfect from beginning to end
1: this album has been certified seven times platinum. And do not let the, um, I guess, the approved narrative fool you. In 1993, Pearl Jam was a bigger deal than Nirvana.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
1: This album was huge and inescapable. In Utero had a couple hits on it. Right. Namely, Heart Shaped Box. We should do that album, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was very good in its own right, but <clears throat> this was the album that dominated radio, and did they do videos for this?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, wait no, did they? Fuck.
1: Maybe Daughter room. had a video? No. No, I don't they did. No. They, they, Vedder was, Eddie Vedder was always kind of at war with himself. It seemed, in this time of his life with the idea of being a huge rock band and uh, being part of the machine. Kirk Cobain essentially ended his life over it. Uh, Vetter dealt with it in a little bit of a different way, and there's a great um, pearl Jam documentary that came out about what five, seven years ago, uh, where
2: probably it, closer to seven now, maybe ten.
1: Yeah, maybe ten. It was like, like 2011. Cameron, oh, Cameron it was Crow. on the anniversary of ten. I think it was the 20 year anniversary yeah, of ten, so it's 2011. Right. And um, it really does dig into like how fucked up in his head he was around this time of his life. Uh,
2: Man as you were saying that kind of comparing the two, it's crazy to think about the fact that like already by 93, Eddie Vedder was not doing music videos. And then that was like, and they were the bigger band and it was like, oh my God, they're so, this is grunge. This is authentic. And then Kurt Cobain killed himself. So now nobody thinks that Eddie Vedder not doing music videos is a big deal anymore. Like it was, it's like, oh no, no, that was the more fucked up, like tortured guy. Not the guy, not the guy that like is fighting for his
1: art. We talked about it. I remember on the 10 podcast, the relationship between Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder and the fact that Cobain didn't um, embrace Pearl Jam was something that, that stuck to Eddie Vedder. And I think in his own way, he, I think Kurt Cobain saw Pearl Jam as a little too commercial and Vedder, I could, I could imagine having such respect for Kirk Cobain, him being affected by that and maybe decisions like not doing videos was a, a result of trying to put himself more in that place where See, I think I'm at, not part of the machine. But I think at
2: 93, like I'm sure there was that rivalry there and there was not, you know, there was that sort of like, oh, we should like, I don't think he was seeking Kirk Cobain's approval yet. You know, I think like the sort of well, fact, time was
1: running out at that the time. fact
2: that Kurt didn't respect him, I think probably weighed on him heavier afterwards.
1: All right, let's get to track two. Another banger. Animal. We're talking versus Pearl Jam sophomore effort here on the Throwback Podcast. This album has so many great hooks to it. We talked about on the um, County Crows podcast that one of the things that I fell in love with um, that album was that every song had like a memorable part to it or a hook or a melody. This album is very similar to me in that way.
2: So the big thing that like this album was widely known for immediately is the fact that when it debuted, it was a number one album. It sold... 950,000 copies in its first five days which was a record at the time and that mm. record held for years like it was just it was a huge hit for this movement of music that was like percolating and getting bigger and bigger and bubbling up and then this happened and this was like really the, the coming out party for grunge music
1: I think you're absolutely right this is the third single by the way it's and the we album.
2: were young we were young where it was like I was getting into music and just kind of knowing that, knowing that this album was taking over the world, it kind of hit me at the perfect time as a about to be big music fan, where it was like, oh, this is what I like. And the fact that I liked it totally helped.
1: hear that almost metal uh, guitar noodling on this album. I don't think it shows up again after this album. Y- you hear it on 10. Uh, who's the guitarist again? McCready? Mike McCready. 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 You hear it on 10. You hear it here. But I don't know if it happens again after this. Does it show up on Vitalogy? That type of sound to his guitar?
2: You know, it's always... It's in and out over the years. I mean, definitely not on no code. But as... Uh, even recently, the uh, the new album that's maybe going to come out before we release this or around the same time.
1: Albums aren't coming out anymore. Nothing's coming out anymore. It's a good point. Oh, yes.
2: We're done. Yeah. Fuck. For a minute, I forgot that the world was ending outside the over. garage.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done.
2: Um,
1: We worried about the garage burning down. Everything outside the society garage Society has down. burned down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the ultimate irony, man.
1: Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, I don't know what I was saying. But it was, uh, fuck. I love that song. And those are a one-two punch to start the album off that 13-, 14-year-old Bob was fucking addicted to.
1: Mm, I get it.
3: I don't know where I was.
1: I just, like I said, Boomer size and Don Mattingly, basically. But I feel like I would have loved this. <laughs> but the one song I did know, I mean, it was a song that everybody knew. What was the amazing um, Pearl Jam concert T-shirt that was the rage around this time? About uh. the kid with the crayon and the guns? Remember what I'm talking about?
2: No, I do. I, I immediately think of the one from 10 where it's like the, the
1: little guy, stick, figure guy stick figure guy
2: sticking his hands out.
1: There was a, because I remember a girl in our school, Tiffany. Oh. Had it. Of course. And it was a picture of a little girl, um, I think like coloring. And then on the back of it it was some type of hardcore gun control message.
2: It <laughs> sounds right.
1: Very on point for Vetter. Yeah, Vetter very quickly for all the shit you give about, Vetter very quickly uh, decided that he had a pulpit and was going to make statements about various things that he believed in. See, I now think he decided. I don't have a problem I think with that, just problem.
2: Just who he who he
1: is? Uh, see, see how it changes depending on nope, who the person is. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, totally different. Um, he and then this is right around the time it might have been right after this album where he he went to war with Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster yeah. which is super annoying. Now you get annoyed was, with Bono. It was annoying. You get, anno- I, you get annoyed with Bono talking about like hunger and stuff. That was me with Eddie Vedder and Ticketmaster. It's like, bro, come on, bro. You're not gonna beat Ticketmaster. Oh,
2: Bono's gonna beat hunger. Come on.
1: He nailed it. He, <laughs> he stopped AIDS and Nobody's Africa, hungry. So let's start there. Yeah. All right, let's, let's let's give this song some respect. It's incredible how accessible this song is.
2: So accessible, and coming—I know you said "Go" was the first single, which I—I I don't believe you. But, it,
1: was a, um, it was one of those weird. things I know
2: where it was technically, right, but it wasn't really right. But like this being the first big song to come off of Versus after Even Flow and Alive, like this is way more accessible. It's—it's it's not like country music, but it's like it's almost like folk music. Like it's just like you understand everything he's saying, and it's like mid-tempo. But he still has that Eddie Vedder growl in it. Would so you be surprised if I it told all.
1: you that it peaked at number 28 on the Billboard charts? Doesn't it feel like this was a much bigger pop hit?
2: The only reason I would say no is because I've been listening to that Hit Parade podcast that I'm obsessed with. And yes, I realize like, how insane and weird the uh, Billboard charts actually are. But I mean, this had to have been like a number one modern rock.
1: Oh, it was huge modern right. rock. Eight weeks at number one. There we go, yeah. On um, the album rock chart. Uh, and it also topped the modern rock chart. Uh, and it was the band's highest charting single in Ireland. Top four hit. Number 11 in New Zealand. Number 18 in Australia and the UK. Uh, number 16 in Canada. I am New, a little New, surprised that it wasn't more popular.
2: New Zealand has good taste.
1: They're doing a nice job. They know. Every week. Music they do and show DVDs. Did you think Daughter was a little more popular on the charts?
2: Yeah, I probably would have. Yeah, especially considering how big Versus was as an album.
1: It seemed like a locked and loaded number one hit. I'm assuming if they never had... Oh, that's right. Because how annoying is it that Pearl Jam's biggest hit is the Last Kiss B-side?
2: I know, that's the worst.
1: Um, I was going to say, has Pearl Jam ever had a number one hit? I don't know if Last Kiss was. Last no, Kissed I think was, it was, yeah. But they never had another one. If they If this song didn't chart at number one... I don't think anything on Ten would have. I don't think Betterman or Corduroy on Vitology would have come close. It might no, have been. No, it's all modern rock. Yeah, that's interesting um, because they are where they are now. They have now graduated to elder statesmen, and they are one of the last. Um, traditional rock bands that could fill arenas. It's funny
2: you say graduated. I feel like we've been talking about them that way for 15 years now, at least. It's been
1: that for a long time. Yeah, they've been the elder yeah.
2: statesmen for at least 15 years.
1: I mean, they've they've survived. In some cases, they survived both, both as a band, but also literally. There's no front men that have OD'd or committed suicide. That they They came from an era where it was very normal for death to essentially end a band, and they... Thankfully, we're not one of those bands.
2: Last Kiss, by the way, uh, peaked at number two.
1: Oh, let's stalled, them out.
2: stalled right behind If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez.
1: If you had my love. Oh, yeah. Speaking of ham-fisted politicizing. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Glorified G, track four on Verses by Pearl Jam. Um, always like this song. It's one of those songs where it's better, at least uh, you'll probably disagree about. It. It's better when you don't listen too closely to the lyrics because it doesn't... I don't know. It's not as profound, I think, as it thinks it is. The
2: lyrics are fine, but it's got a great hook, great tune, great hook. Yeah, I
1: love everything about it. So I'm not, I'm not going to bag on it at all. I, I really, I've always liked this song, uh, and it is about gun control. It directly connects with whatever that T-shirt was that perhaps exists, and maybe Bob, we should use some of our throwback funds to get you one of those T-shirts. That'd be pretty cool.
2: Well, I remember reading a while ago about how this was a song that they stopped playing. And in fact, I think it was a song that kind of led to the, like the vitality annoyance of their fans at their fans because people didn't get the irony of it. And they looked out at the crowd
1: and rocking out to like talking about guns. Yeah, yeah. People that were
2: like, Oh, this is my song. Cause it's about guns. And they were like, no, that's not what we're saying. Like yeah. they missed the point entirely.
1: That makes sense. Makes
2: sense. Uh, when you look at America, Dan,
1: Well done, Bob. Uh, Yes, it's a song about gun culture. Glorified version of a pellet gun is the chorus. Now, here's a good example of how big they were, because despite whatever we're seeing with the the charts they were as big as anybody
2: were they bigger than the uh, the covid 19 meme that's been going around between
1: the large African-american <laughs> gentleman that's very gifted
2: <laughs> big
1: downstairs big is the word <laughs> he's extremely lucky
2: they were bigger than that is what you're saying
1: I w- I want to thank you personally Bob for being my main pipeline <laughs> pipe. for uh, memes connected to that gentleman. Who is he, by the way? Nobody
2: knows. I don't know.
1: Is he an adult film star?
2: I don't know. I mean, you would assume, but I don't know how to even look it you think
1: listeners know who we're talking about? Is it big enough where everyone knows? Oh, it's
2: big enough. (laughs) (laughs) Tweet at us if you know what we're talking about. If you don't know, don't
1: ask. You know, yes. All we can say is COVID-19, meme. There's a meme going around. Very large gentleman.
2: (laughs) gifted if you will or cursed probably cursed
1: it's kind of like yeah it's uh, between a right gift and it's notes.
2: right between a gift and a curse
1: Eddie vetter said about glorified g i didn't actually write that song i was at a band rehearsal and just started writing down these things the guys were talking about the band were having this conversation i just took down the dialogue one of the band members had just bought a gun. It was the drummer, actually. I was going to say, him, it, was that probably, fucking drummer. it was probably
2: the drummer that kicked out of the fucking band. That documentary,
1: <laughs> like Bob said, directed by Cameron Crow, Eddie yeah. Vedder, fucking asshole, dude. Nope. Eddie Vedder kicked the drummer out of the band because he bought a Volvo. Oh, right. <laughs> That's what he
2: did. <laughs> well, don't buy a fucking Volvo, dude.
1: Come on, it's easy. Eddie Vedder, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I would love to see where Eddie Vedder is right now. He's not right now, in, in his social distancing, I want to see, because I bet he's in fucking he's Malibu. Malibu. He's in
2: Malibu. Of course he is.
1: So, but Eddie, and listen, a lot of us assholes in our 20s, Eddie, I, I hope that at some point he reached out to that guy, the drummer that they fired because he bought a Volvo <laughs> and said, dude, I get it now. You wanted to have a nice car. You were successful. You were in a rock band. We were making millions of dollars as a band. It was wrong of me no. to say that you shouldn't have a nice car uh, because that makes you... He here's was where, so hung up. Bob. Here's he where so here's where Eddie Vedder Let gets, me just finish, bro. Uh, he was so hung up, Vedder. I will defend him on to the cred, fucking death. I will defend and him to he, the death. Cobain was so much in his head that he couldn't mm. even let his drummer get a Volvo.
2: I'm shaking my head no. No. Guess because what?
1: he thought that hurt their if their cred.
2: If Kurt Cobain fired... They were less
1: authentic because the drummer had a Volvo you're
2: punishing Eddie Vedder for not killing himself if Kurt Cobain (laughs) fired a drummer for getting a Volvo it would be part of the mythology of Kurt Cobain
1: nobody's firing Dave Grohl from anything and
2: no if Dave Grohl bought a fucking Volvo which he wouldn't do and that's why that drummer deserved to go by the way
1: they did fire a drummer though
2: they fired two drummers
1: Pearl Jam no Nirvana did oh yes Grohl. right to get to Dave Grohl but it wasn't because he had a Volvo what did that guy buy a, a swab. That
2: guy got caught at a... Uh, sob. Is that, that, what was? that guy showed up to practice in Z Cavaricis and he got bounced.
1: <laughs> Man, that's just not what we're going for. But what was your point? Sorry.
2: That if Eddie Vedder killed himself, this would be part of the mythology about what an authentic person he is. But because he's lived, it's just like, he fired a guy for buying a volleyball. No, like he was going for the same thing Kirk Cobain was going for. He was fighting the same fights. He was fighting against Ticketmaster and MTV and doing all these things. But unfortunately for his, uh, his cred this
1: is so great. It's like listening to me defending Bono. Unfortunately for it. his
2: cred, he didn't kill himself. It's so good to
1: see someone else on the ropes trying to defend a, a blow. What album,
2: what album are we doing next? What are we doing next? Can we please do fucking pop? I
1: would love to do pop. Oh, this is a great song. Oh, this is the best. May song. I just say that I believe that Eddie Vedder was a bit of a buffoon in the early 90s. But his music was beyond reproach.
2: Okay, I'll take that. Okay, for now.
0: She nursed him there oh, over a I wasn't so sure.
1: Listening, I love this song. I think this is one of Mike McCready's greatest moments. Ooh. The guitar in this is excellent. I just love the whole yeah. rip. It carries the whole song, I think.
2: This is, I think, now my favorite type of Pearl Jam song. This sort mm. of like quiet, loud, mid tempo y, Eddie Vedder just doing his thing. This sounds so good to me now. I always liked it, but like now This is a
1: great one if you want to put together a mix of like good rock songs, you want to put Pearl Jam on there. Dissident Ma. Perfect. That will that will do the trick. Listen to his guitar. I love this.
0: Oh when she could
1: It's just that great great um, mid nineties early to mid nineties. Guitar tone, like uh, yeah. STP, when they got into, you know, Purple and uh, Interstate Love Song. It's that, it's just a great sound and you just don't hear it anymore. Yeah. You shouldn't really hear anything you don't, anymore. You don't hear guitars anymore. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe that's why. Uh,
1: but as, you know, old guys in a garage, uh, we can look back and uh, reminisce about how good this sound. This podcast, I know
2: we've only been doing it for, fuck, we're almost on three years you now. Say only. I mean, I know we've been doing it for three years now, almost. Um, We've become old guys in a garage. I don't think we started out as old guys in a garage, but I think now that's what we are.
1: We were on the bubble, and now we're firmly on the other side. Okay. I'm going to say this is one of those albums when it's time to pick a song to add to the throwback podcast playlist. You got to narrow it down to like three different songs, and I'm gonna write. I'm right off the bat. I'm ne- no. Dissident I'm will be. Dissident. They,
2: they will be in the top three.
1: Because do you think a non-Pearl Jam fan is plugged in on Dissident? No, not at all. But they would like it.
2: But these first five songs are
1: perfect. I killed it. Perfect. I mean, through five songs, it's better than ten. I think.
2: Totally. Well, I think I 10 think that
1: starts pretty hot too. Though. I think this
2: album is better than ten. I mean, this is i think a better album
1: see i think 10 has higher highs but i think this is a more consistent album 10 is i think
2: more important i mean the songs from 10 were the ones that along with nevermind like made grunge a thing and they're the songs that are still being played on the radio but i don't know i'd rather hear those five songs over and over again
1: all right the next track is wma which stands for bob is a True Pearl Jam fan, you should know right off the bat. Fuck you. You've got to know that.
2: I've been drinking a gigantic eh,
1: beer. you got to know that. I do know it. D- do you think I would know the same thing from you, too? Yes, I would. I'm um, expecting you to know that for Pearl Jam. I'm rusty. Don't look it up. No, I'm not looking that it up. That doesn't
2: help. I know it. I fucking know <laughs> it.
1: But this is a palate cleanser, I feel like. No, after it completely is. five radio-friendly slash just really melodic, great, uh, driving modern rock songs, This is uh, Eddie and company noodling a little bit, having some fun. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to grant them this. They've earned it. Yeah. Let them have WMA. It's
2: an album. Got it. Remember.
1: you click along. And I was not clicking
2: anything. I was not.
1: What is it? What does WMA stand for? White
2: Male American.
1: Oh. Uh... <laughs> okay. What's it mean, though? Shots fired, right?
2: You know, we're, we're lucky to be white male Americans, Dan.
1: I think we are, brother. I think we are.
2: That's, what, that's the point he's making. I'm not saying we are, but he was making that.
1: I think there are advantages In fact I know there are but...
2: This was the first reported- You're holding a
1: gigantic beer by yeah. the way This is the biggest Thank you. beer Thank This you. is the girthiest beer I've ever seen anyone hold in my life I'm going to take a picture of it right now And put it on the throwback podcast Instagram <laughs> account That is girthy Bob So mm.
2: the reason I have That's this That's like
1: the meme guy
2: <laughs> That's why I got That's it.
1: That's the COVID meme guy no, in this beer is, form. This
2: is me doing my part during these trying times in the world. Um, my favorite place on earth is this uh, brewery called RT Rogers Brewing Company. It's my happy place, mm. and um, they're closed down like everything else.
1: So they get, not essential. They weren't deemed essential.
2: Not deemed essential to me, but they've um, they're allowed to sell to go. So I was able to get this can to support my local uh, brewing company that I'm obsessed with. So I got this 32-ounce uh, Broken Spell Pale Ale that I'm enjoying
1: right now. 32 ounces. That yep. is. What Earth. is that? What's a regular can of beer? 12? 12. 12, 25. 25. So it's almost three beers. Good math. Look, look at, at you. you. Look, look, look at you. I got a Pray lot of time. You, 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 I've you been like, doing math. <laughs> Flashcards. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: finally just gonna knock out math eight i mean at what
1: point it. uh yeah uh, but it's a huge ruse the whole math thing i sucked at math in school so but wait. let's be honest you don't need to know that much
2: hold on i'm gonna go eddie vetter now ready yeah so in these trying times oh, no. support your local businesses a buffoon. you know if you like going to a bar maybe give them a call see if they're doing to goes because they could use your help <laughs> how about that there's a little eddie vetter
1: yeah, it was a little preachy and annoying, and you just wish you'd get back to the music. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have no idea how good it feels to have someone else have to deal with that. I get it. <laughs> Here's Blood. I don't even remember this one. Oh, I do, actually. Here we go. Spin me around. Me over. Oh, he loves this. Yeah. Know when they're putting together the set list when they were touring behind verses? like, Blood's got to be on it. Or I am. I, walk.
2: I am yelling blood.
1: Or I walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and then McCready was like, uh, you know what? If we do blood, we don't have room for uh, Jeremy. He's like, no, we do blood or I
3: walk.
2: And <laughs> Stone Gossard and Jeff and Matt were just like, I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't know. know. I can't fight it. Yeah. And the drummer's like, you know, Volvo. It seems like a attractive car. <laughs> All right, have a take, Bob. This is kind of cool, um, but I like ten better because ten to me is one of the true, absolute stone cold classics of the '90s. And there's no uh, two song trip through the wilderness, which I think that uh, WMA and Blood is. Which is actually I don't mind a trip through the wilderness, right? But in terms of like some albums. Through history of rock music, The Doors' first album, for an example, there's dozens of others, The Beatles' top albums. It sounds like you're listening to a greatest hits for the band. Right. That's what 10 is.
2: No, 10's not that, though. I think if we but go back to that. But even songs 10, like
1: Oceans or something, like right. those all, to me, have really... They all fit
2: within the album.
1: And they have moments where they're accessible. And I, I think every song on that, essentially, is just bang, 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 bang. This, we're a little bit in the wilderness here. I get what
2: you're saying as an old man, but as a 13-year-old, I liked blood. Like I, now, right. now I don't need to hear this again, but like this did something for me then.
1: Pearl Jam's famous for you know, highly varied live sets during their tour, which mm-hmm. is both good and bad, depending on how you look at it. If you are Going to one Pearl Jam show you've been looking forward to for two years and you get it on a night where they don't play any of their hits, it's probably annoying. Like, I've
2: only gone to one in my life, so, like, that's it. Like, hopefully, I get to see them again if the world doesn't come to it. They just canceled the show
1: at the forum. I know. I think two nights at the forum. But but
2: that's it. Like, you're right. Like, there are songs I'll never hear them play because they're not going to play the hits. They're just going to play a very varied set
1: list. And if I was a diehard Pearl Jam fan, I'd be totally cool with Blood showing up live. I feel like that'd be a good live song.
2: I don't even know if it is, but at 13 when you're like digesting an album and especially like even dissident, I think at 13, 14 years old, wasn't one of my favorites. Like, I think I probably liked blood more than it at the time because it was like, that's what Pearl Mm. Jam was to me when I was a kid was like, I just want to like fucking punch things and pretend I'm moshing in my bedroom alone
1: With your like sticks? What is your sticks called again? My devil stick? No, that came
2: came later. That came later. This was like, (laughs) I was probably moshing with my pillows. You know, it was like that kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Did you do that?
2: I don't know. Did you? (laughs)
1: Uh, Next up, I would say um, this is my favorite Pearl Jam rock song. R-A-W-K.
2: Okay. And before you play this. So you uh, you kind of craft on track six and seven. We went. They went five for sure. five. They're going to go out five strong from here out.
1: Okay, here we go. This song never lets up.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: as it was a beating
1: Here's my feeling on why this song is brilliant, and is definitely on my Pearl gem Mount Rushmore. I think it's an underrated bit of greatness, musically, when you can have a subject matter lyrically in a song, mm-hmm. and then you can match the music to it. Yes. So this song, yes, Rearview the Mirror, ball. is about better trying to get away from something in his life and escape. And the music sounds like something chasing him.
2: It's driving. That's fucking awesome. Yes. Like, I
1: wish I could do that. I wish I could be as good as anything as he is and this band is in marrying those two things.
2: Great call. Fucking awesome. I fucking love that. I want to kiss you right now.
1: Can't, bro. Usually, right now, we'd be tongue kissing. (laughs) But we can't. Boners just bumping into each other. (laughs) 90s,
2: late 90s boners. (laughs)
1: Goes without saying, this has to be a nominee for them. Well,
2: obviously. And play. as you were saying that, I looked back at the throwback podcast playlist on Spotify, the only streaming service that matters, and yeah. I saw that the
1: desperation. It just it comes out. Don't man.
2: need it. No, it's just kind of facts. the um, The song we picked off of Ten was "Porch," which is
3: that
1: great choice. A
2: very similar kind of feel yeah. to it. Like this is kind Maybe of in the
1: same spot on the album. This is right kind of there. like
2: the porch of verses.
1: What the fuck in it? Yeah. <laughs> I That's, think this is a more complete, better song. No, I agree completely. Yeah. But
2: it's kind of like that same sort of vibe
1: to it. Did you know this was featured in the Cold Case episode, the long blue line in two thousand nine?
2: I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. I have a lot to say about that.
1: <laughs> was Cold Case the one with the um, Who's the uh, the Jewish actor that looks like you? You know the guy,
2: David Crumholtz.
1: Yeah, Krumholtz. <laughs> <laughs> was he in that show? Was that his show? I no, was that he was like the no, he criminal was, scientist. He show. was numbers. Numbers. He was, he was numbers. Yes. <laughs> so he was not Cold Case. No, he was numbers. Watch this song, just rock out at the
3: end. I love yeah. it. So good.
1: They played it on SNL. How about that?
2: It's very pro jam.
1: What is up with um I guess it's very tricky with uh record labels. We don't have that problem. But SNL could release an incredible anthology if they ever could get the clearance of That all is those a songs. great
2: question. Nobody's ever asked that
1: before. I think it just I think it's if I had to guess, just a matter of clearance.
2: But like hundred and twenty minutes had an album back in the day. Like they exist.
1: You know. You would think Lauren Michaels had thought of has thought of this.
2: Or we should have a meeting with Lauren Michaels.
1: Okay. Let's get him on the phone. We
2: need to make if that guy. If we had a
1: produce right now, we could ask them to do that. We
2: need to make that guy more money.
1: <laughs> Did you hear that the the leader in the clubhouse to replace Lauren Michaels at SNL is uh Keenan? Really? Yeah. Um Keenan.
2: Good for Keenan. Yeah. My son just uh, watched Good Burger the other day because we're on quarantine now, so we don't leave the house. Yeah, so you need you to watch things. You got to do, do. Good Burger came up and uh, young Keenan looks exactly like Keenan today. <laughs> like they are these exa- like there's no difference at all. It's amazing.
1: Um, we are also, you know, have a lot of time to kill for for kids. So I have a five year old and a three year old. You have an eight year old and a four year old. Correct. That's pretty rough. We're both in uh, in the weeds a little We're bit. We're in both it. Both boys. Uh, both of us have boys. So right last night, we had a movie night and watched Batman Forever, which is just a fucking abomination. I can't
2: believe it's that bad. I remember loving Batman Forever.
1: Here's the thing. My kids liked it. And I remember seeing it in the theater with my cousin in 1995, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's incredible, the shift from Tim Burton to Joel Schumacher how they just basically ripped up the playbook of the first two and said, right. Fuck it. Yeah. It actually surprised me how similar Batman forever was to the infamous Batman or Robin two years later. The worst. It's not that different. Really? It's much, the villains are better. Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey are both good in it.
2: Well, it was Carrie and his Carrie peak. So like he could do no wrong. Right,
1: And right. Tommy Lee Jones is great, obviously. And, and that's the that's the only real difference, and it's a big difference because Schwarzenegger basically destroyed his career as Mr. Freeze, and Uma Thurman was a mess as Poison Ivy in Batman and Robin, which is one of the worst movies ever. But if you take if you just take the villain aspect out of it, it's the same shit. Where all of a sudden Gotham City is an all neon, and all the henchmen have weird like props that they carry around, right, right. and it's just like. And all the uh, the bat costumes are very big on like big bulges and butts and nipples. That surprised me. And Nicole Kidman's character is the love interest. Mm-hmm. Do you know what her name is in that movie? Doctor Chase Meridian. It's oh, a bad name. And you know you know what the Riddler's <laughs> name is when he worked he worked at uh, for Wayne Bruce Wayne Industries.
2: I assume it was something very subtle.
1: It was Edward Nigma E Nigma. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a fucking pile of shit.
2: That was so smart, though, in the mid-90s. That was like...
1: Genius. I don't remember what my point was, but... It doesn't matter. It's time to um, to study a lot of different things from the past because there is no future. Nice. <laughs> All right. Again, here's rats. I don't need rats in my life. Rats is fine. It sounds like a Lakini's Juice uh, B-side. No, it doesn't. Live.
2: It's fine.
1: All right. Let's listen. I'm going to... Open ears, open ears. Here we go. After yeah, I destroy it with the three. <laughs> yeah, sections. open ears. So <laughs> open. You call them freaks. Bob just left the garage to urinate, so why would I even listen to that song? Because that's terrible. can listen to. Uh, I'm going to listen to a U2 B-side, North and South of the River. Great B-side off Pop, 1997. I wish it was on the album about the troubles in Northern Ireland. I'm going to bail out of this as soon as he returns. Let's listen to it. Here we go.
3: I want to reach out
0: Approved road, not looking over my shoulder. I want to see, I want to hear to understand
1: Bob's back. That was rats. It's fine.
2: Said good things about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it's not a song that I'm going to think about forever. but
2: Nope, not a great song. But again, good for a 13-year-old.
1: I get it. I get it. Here we go. Here's a song that I can't believe this was not released as a single. I bet Vetter was behind this. I bet bro. McCready and Stone and the Volvo drummer were like, bro, this is going to be a number one hit on PLJ, bro.
2: It could have been
0: seem to recognize your face what would kurt say i can't do it familiar, yeah. would never say i that. can't <laughs> seem to place it cannot find the candle of thought to light your name like should see the place but no one's there to take and thoughts they fade fade away our and thoughts they fade
1: fade away i have no data to back this up Bob, but um the genre of, in terms of radio station programming that is directly being funneled to, to us now is Adult Alternative. Right. I feel like this is the most played song on Adult Alternative um, in terms of Pearl Jam, and I'm totally fine with it. It's one of those songs that I, I always listen to it. I never turn it off. I just love it. I love it too. It makes me happy when I hear it.
2: I was... So into this song, back in high school. What
1: a great kind of deep cut on a the deep album. Deep cut where it was like, "This album, is my song." song. Yeah.
2: Like this is nobody else is talking about this. This like I'm not going to tell my friends who also like Pearl Jam that I like the song. This is my song.
1: And the name of the song is Bob.
2: Elderly woman behind the counter in a small town.
1: Yes, that I think like, is a good baseline test. Whether you're a person Oh no yeah I didn't didn't. You gotta know the whole title Of course Elderly woman behind the counter In a small town
2: Oh I knew every damn word I would sing this in the shower This was my shower song
1: Mmm that's hot Yeah Rubbing boners up against the shower glass (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh Kurt heard the song, and he loved it, but he could never admit it. He just kept it to himself.
2: Yeah, if I had the balls to make a mixtape for a girl back in the mid-'90s, this would have been on it immediately. home run.
1: If you had to pick a Pearl Jam song from 91 to 95 that you felt confident the girl would be into, this and maybe Better Man would be the songs I would be most confident in.
2: Especially, no, this, I think this is definitely number one. But this one. The Yeah, Better Man's a good call, too, but this is definitely number one.
1: I love what that's
0: doing.
1: Excellent. Elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Not a single. Should have been.
2: It kind of falls in that world for me of, like, Butterfly off of Pinkerton by Weezer, where it's like, this is a song for me. I'm going to know the words. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to listen to it, like... If I'm thinking about a girl or if I'm thinking about something, if I want to be in a place, I'm going to put this on repeat, but I'm not going to tell anybody until I'm 40 years old. And (laughs) the the coronavirus is killing everybody.
1: I think that song was so good that even though they never released it as a single, um, Despite the worst instincts of whether it was the band or the record label, it still became one of their most well-known songs. Right. And in fact, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry. Despite the lack of a commercial single release, the song reached number seventeen on the Billboard Modern Rocks chart. I don't even know how that happens. It's just it just it was so good. It radio, had to chart radio stations somewhere. <laughs> are like we're playing
2: this. Like it doesn't matter what you want. It's Einstein on the beach. Imagine,
1: oh. but imagine like if they released it and they gave yeah. it a push. Right. But here's the thing. I think Vedder was in a place where that's not a song he wanted people to define him at that point. A gentle acoustic number was not... I don't think that was the place he was in.
2: I mean, he wasn't looking... I don't think he was looking at Billboard. Like, I don't think he was like, we need a number one single. Like, that was never clearly something that was, like, driving him.
1: But do you think it was something else beyond that? Not just that he's not somebody that was, like, dying about the charts, but also that song is something that maybe he didn't want people to... Think of him and Pearl Jam as
2: I don't know because I mean he put it on the album. He put it on I, the album,
1: but it's buried on the album.
2: It's deep on the album. But you, it's get on the, the al- you get the you get the
1: feeling that the track placement alone is maybe. But like, it's,
2: it's on his sophomore album where he knew every eye was going to be on it, every ear was going to be listening because they were at the time the biggest band in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm glad it exists. I was like, in retrospect, I'm happy the way it came out. Yeah, me too. It's a little off the radar. Oh my god! If that was radar, like a number
2: one single, like be a would, little annoying. We would be like groaning, yeah. listening to it now.
1: All right, here is the penultimate song on "Versus Leash."
2: So you and I saw, we talked about this in the ten podcast, you and I saw them once at the Brendan Byrne Arena. I I believe it
1: was the Continental Airlines Arena by that point. Had it switched over
2: by that point? I believe it had. Yeah, I'm sure it had.
1: It was uh, 2006, I believe. That sounds right. In uh, the Jersey Meadowlands at the arena, yep. And we had
2: terrible seats, but we were able to sneak down to pretty close to the stage. We were on the side.
1: There was, I remember, a bit of uh, pushback from people in the section. You
2: know what? Oh, we were standing in the aisle. Yeah. Like we, we didn't happy about it. Let me say this about Daniel Keith Hansis sitting sitting across from me right now. The man has his flaws as like, a human.
1: Nah, absolutely.
2: But the Usually one man. thing he does better than anybody on this planet is <laughs> steal other people's seats at big concerts. Thank you. He is the best at that.
1: Now stealing their seats the seats are vacant. Usually, yeah. Uh but the idea of um, There's no why me- sit Yes. In the back row of the arena. You've already been gouged by ticket. Sorry, Eddie, by Ticketmaster. <laughs> no,
2: no, he agrees.
1: You got gouged no, by... No, you're on
2: Eddie's side here.
1: <laughs> you got gouged by parking. Yes. You got, you've got. you been sitting in uh, traffic. I remember we picked up uh, your buddy. Uh, I drove from my, the Upper West friend, Side. My friend Jeff. I drove downtown MCA, to yeah. get you guys. And yep. then we had to get out of the city. We parked about three miles from the stadium mm-hmm. or from the arena. We get in, our seats suck. It's like, listen, we deserve to see the last uh, set uh, from a good vantage point at this point. We put a lot into Probably this. Probably about
2: halfway through the concert, we snuck down and got to see the second half super close. And uh, no, you've done that at every concert you and I have ever gone to. Like,
1: oh, we had a great one at uh, the Weezer Pixies concert, yep. which we did the famously, the parking, <laughs> the parking lot, lot pod. podcast. Uh, we got down to the family and friends section for yes. Weezer. Which, again, we're not hurting anyone. Those seats were just open. They were empty. So why should we be on the side of the stage in the top row?
2: Yep, we did that. Where where were we? It was at the Will Turn. We did that at a concert, too, a while ago. Fuck. The point is, you do it a lot. You're very good at it. And I remember... I
1: try not to do it at other people's expense. Right. I want to make that clear to the audience.
2: (laughs) I just know I'm I'm heaping praise on you like you have the confidence and the that's
1: it's all about the confidence. It's all about the confidence. Yeah, I do the same thing at, you know, Yankee Stadium or right. whatever. It's just you need to walk past the usher like it's you're going no, to your seat. I remember doing that with my yeah. dad as
2: a kid. And it's funny because my son uh, Dean is a rule follower. So, the first time I ever did that with him, he realized, like, these aren't our seats, and he, like, blew our cover. Yeah. Like, he just you gotta weave out You got to weed that out of him. Yeah, I know, I will.
1: All right, here is the final the, check. The only reason
2: I brought that up, yes. I remember Leash being played at that concert, and it's such an amazing live song where Eddie's losing his shit. It's so good.
1: The funny thing about that concert in particular is the only thing I remember about it was moving up. <laughs> I drank quite a lot that night.
2: Pretend
0: I'm free to roam. Oh, I will make my way through one more day. In, in.
1: Love when albums go out like this, Bob. This is your move job by Eddie. He does a six-minute grinder to close it out. Contemplative. Hook-free.
2: And then, as a teenager, I had no patience for a song like this. But years later... Makes more sense, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would end on Leash, for the most part.
1: I like the guitar. But yeah, it's... It's a classic end of album closer. So there it is versus Pearl Jam sold a trillion copies was basically their peak commercially. Vitology was similarly huge when it was released, but didn't have as many hits on it. Um, Or at least they didn't have the same level of buzz as Pearl Jam. it It probably
2: had bigger hits because of better man, corduroy, not for you. I'd say
1: that. Like yeah, they were definitely bi- huge also in they 95, were, but this Pro-Dem, felt like their peak, right? Was commercially. bigger,
2: they were a bigger band. Bigger deal at out. this point. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And then they never, you know, uh, it, they were big in, by Vitology. they were still a huge band. And then after that, they kind of settled into veteran band and now they've turned now ossified into dad rock. And now they're
2: about to come back big with their next album to bring them back to number one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> status.
1: I hate that first single on the new Sorry, album.
2: Sorry, Billie Eilish, you're out. Pearl Jam is
1: back. I uh, hate a strong word, but I I always like. Se-
2: have you heard the second single?
1: I think I did. Super Wolf it didn't Blood stick Moon. There, it's it so didn't good. St- it it's so stick.
2: good. No, it's so good.
1: This, see, they're your you too.
2: No, listen again. It's so good. See,
1: it's it's the same thing when it's the veteran rock band that's now essentially just putting out albums, but they have no chance of ever being popular again. And real fans, hardcore fans, talk themselves into the album and the songs, but, uh, but nobody else cares. I don't and, classify you know.
2: myself as a hardcore fan. Like after these first three albums, I had No Code, I had uh, Yield, and then after that, like I don't think I bought by Like I kind of fell off a little bit. Got excited about the Avocado album. Like I'm not like you with You Too, where you'll fucking you kept the you didn't lose. keep the faith. You're
1: saying you no, just stick I, with them through everything. Right. I'm ouch.
2: No, that's I mean, okay, you tried
1: to you were setting it up to take a shot at me for being loyal to you, too. If you're not loyal to Pearl Jam, who could you be loyal to loyal to? Come on. One band. Who's one band you're loyal to no matter what?
2: None. None. Free agent. <laughs> Why be loyal when they're putting out shit?
1: I think that's a fundamental um, difference between you and I.
2: I do. I agree with that.
1: That. Yeah. You move on. When I move you're done on. With them. Right. You're like a vampire. When it comes to music, right?
2: And you're like a guy that still calls his ex girlfriend after the podcast is over. I miss her. <laughs> so
1: I will not play "Dance of the Clairvoyance" off the new album because play that's "Super a, Wolf that's Blood Moon." So good, atrocity. Super but here's blood wolf moon. Super mood? blood wolf. Oh, it's mood. so
2: good. It's so fucking.
3: This is
1: good. "Get on Your Boots." Here we go.
2: Wait, have you heard this yet?
1: I think I heard it once, and then it immediately disappeared. No, but I'm going to listen with fresh disappear. ears again. Here we go. Chorus. We are just like we're not even gonna do a chorus. Fuck you. Don't we, need we one. We had a nice buildup. It was a nice verse into a bridge, and then don't need one. We don't. We don't do choruses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, fine. I love the song. All right, here we go. Let's uh, pick the song, Bob. I will. Before we even do that, you, you weren't before, loyal, Bob, but you will choose the uh, uh, the addition to the. Before place. we do that, gotta let's, do that,
2: Let's thank uh, the Patreones that got me to brave COVID-19 to come to the garage tonight. So and, you're putting it on them if you yep, get sick. <laughs> if I die, it's up to you. We're going to use this money that we get from you guys at patreon.com slash throwbackpod to uh, pay off my insurance bills. It's uh, You guys are the ones that keep this podcast alive. Wait,
1: let's say you have COVID. You got it.
2: You. Ha- I got it from you. If I no. have it, it's from you.
1: Let's say you got it before you got here.
2: I, I did. not You no, gave it you, to me. No, you
1: because the symptoms don't show up for a week and a half. They say
2: we've been we've been sterile.
1: Let's just say, Bob. Fine. That you have it. Fine. And I'm being completely honest right now. So we're sitting at a table that's what three by three.
2: Yeah, we're Something no, like we're definitely not six feet apart.
1: So if you had COVID, and if it makes you feel better, you could say if I had COVID, sure. Would the other person get COVID from doing this podcast today?
2: No, because we're not like coughing on each other and spitting we tongue kissing tonight. <laughs> so, okay.
1: yeah, there's so much about this uh, illness that we don't. We don't know. know.
2: We don't know. Let's tongue kiss and find out.
1: By the way, where are we with the cure? What the fuck's going on here? We, we don't have one. We don't have one person. It's got the cure right now.
2: No, we don't.
1: We grew up in a town called Pearl River in New York. Uh, there was a place called Letterly. It was a laboratory. <laughs> they fucking found the cure for what, Bob? Come on, bro. Cancer. <laughs> it was uh, measles wasn't it did it literally Was that the rumor not I, the rumor
2: is that real i never heard that in all my years in pearl river i never heard
1: literally lab cure for let's see what happens Come,
2: on, come on. no i have no memory is. of is it, if this was vaccine.
1: a thing they came up with a huge fucking vaccine bro
2: I just remember any of our friends that lived near it, whenever they would be weird or like if there was something weird about them, we would just blame it on the fact they lived near a <laughs> like power plant, essentially.
1: <laughs> it certainly was not a power plant.
2: <laughs> but that's how we treat Polio.
1: Really? Polio. The vaccine for polio. Came from Letterly? Came from Letterly Laboratories in Pearl River, New York.
2: What the fuck?
1: Straight up, How are bro. we not?
2: Wait, how did I not know that? And Straight how are up. we not on the map?
1: It's a bad job by... Everyone that you grew up around, Bob, because that was one of the greatest things that Pearl River Wait, ever was developed. This, was
2: this something that you guys would like sit at Thanksgiving dinner and be like, "And we're thankful for our family and for being in Pearl River"? And the, the cure for of polio was pol- found here.
1: <laughs> scientists of Letterly Labs. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, so A polio vaccine was developed at Letterly.
2: Fuck you, rest of the world. Step up.
1: But my point being is, like, there's got to be another Letterly out there. Come on now, what are we doing here? It's a world <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Global pandemic, bro. Let's wrap it up.
2: No, we're fine. Don't worry about it. The guy from The Apprentice is going to guide us through this.
1: <laughs> That's a good theory. That's a good theory. There's no way he gets elected if he's not on that TV show.
2: You're cured. That's like his thing. <laughs> That's his new thing.
1: All right. Pick the song, Bob. Well, I'm going to give you I'm going to give three nominees. and then do. You can either add a nominee if it's not there or. um, just pick one. Wait, other. I didn't do
2: the thing I had to do. Thank you to the Patreones, patreon.com/throwbackpod, Bruno the sponsor, Courtney and Wyatt, everybody putting in $2 a month, $6 yeah. a month, 12. You guys are keeping the us best. alive literally now. You did so it. thank you guys.
1: You are the vaccine people. Thank there you. you. Are. All right, here are the nominees that I am going to throw your way, Bob, Glorified G, Dissident Rearview mirror.
2: I'm going dissident. Oh, dissident's the way to go.
1: An upset, and I'm okay with it. You were thinking rearview. Yeah, but I think dissident's a great choice. I know.
2: I think this. It feels right. I think because of porch. Yeah, I think it's a good call. Dissident feels like the right move off of versus
1: All right, dissident is the latest addition to the throwback podcast playlist, which you can find on Apple Music. Uh, I'll send out the link. And um, I guess Spotify is that still that's, they're that's still they're still doing too. that. And uh, follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod, on Instagram at ThrowbackPod. Send us an email at the ThrowbackPod at Gmail. And we're, there's a subreddit, Throwback Podcast subreddit. Yep, check it out. There's R, a little bit of discussion on there.
2: R slash ThrowbackPod, and uh, support your local breweries.
1: Oh boy, get off your soapbox, bro. I
2: mean, they need help right now. <laughs>
1: And uh, everybody stay safe.
2: Yeah, please stay safe.
1: That, that's what we hope.
2: Don't do what we're doing right now. Stay away from each other.
1: We're doing this because we have to, because we want to entertain you at your homes. So yeah. We, I mean, we're heroes.
2: But if we find out that you fucking assholes were out there hanging out, just sharing, sharing doobies with one another, oh, we're boy, done. Boy. We're fucking done. And, rubbing, rubbing your boners up against each other in clubs. No,
1: you can do that. Oh, that is that safe? Yeah, that's COVID safe. The CDC
2: was like, it's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, remember, you're not old. The music is.
2: Go fuck yourself. The word
0: misplays, nothing said in wings. But when she had contact with the conflict, there was me.